Hi, I'm Rod Roark, Roark Knows Podcast from the Plastic Surgery Channel. And guess who I have with me tonight? The originator, the guy who thought up the Plastic Surgery Channel, Dr. Bill Adams. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Rod. Hey, it's great. Not only is he an incredible innovator and plastic surgeon, but he also is a world expert on breast surgery and specifically breast augmentation. So, you know, what we thought we'd talk about today is all the things that people think are true about breast augmentation, and they're not. So what are the five myths of breast augmentation? Let's start with the one that I hear about all the time is that breast implants need to be replaced every 10 years, no matter what. What, what is that? Yeah, so that, then this is such a great topic. We could go on for literally hours, but I know we're gonna condense it down to kind of the cliff note version for the listeners. But that is a such a misnomer, and it's all over the internet. You know, oh. now, now we get the internet. You know, it is like everybody is getting we, all, is accessing information all over from social media and, and websites. So there, it's so much more spread of misinformation. So this is something that dates back. You know, breast implants have been around since 1962, right. and so the original generation implants. There's now there's now I think there's eight generations of implants, Eighth. but. The first couple generations implants, in particular the second generation, which was very thin wall shelled and right. very thin silicone gel, uh, did not were not very durable. And all of those implants by ten years was leaking and rupture. But what happened that and so those implants were used in the eighties, nineteen eighties. And that's then, where the science came from, right? Yeah, or, right. And then and then it evolved and, and so now we again we're all using generation four, five, six seven breast implants and so the current implants don't need to be replaced over 10 years in fact they just need to be followed and and we're following people now with the most modern way to do which is ultrasound not mri used to be mri that was the non-invasive no radiology no no problems with radiation right well and and, yeah patients hated uh, i don't you know have you ever Talk to him and had a breast MRI. It's the most <laughs> miserable thing. Yes. Like you have to lay, they have to lay on a table and hang their breasts through this little hole. It's like some terrible. children's game. That's uh, terrible. Yeah, it's terrible, and, and it's uncomfortable, and it's you have to lay still, and you can't breathe. And so it wasn't surprising none of the patients did MRIs. Exactly. And so finally, at the FDA advisory meeting in 2019, the panel the panel actually recommended a drop MRI, but the FDA has finally come through and said, we recognize ultrasound as an alternative to implant surveillance. So anyway, back to how long implants last. Now we're doing ultrasounds with all these patients coming back 15, 20 years out. So at 20 years, 94, 95% of the implants are intact, fine. So you just need to follow it. And it's so easy to do the ultrasound. So you don't have to replace the implant every 10 years. Right. You just have to have it followed. Right. That's, that's great advice. And it's simple to do. Now, you can either do it like I think you do it in your office, but, or you can send them for yeah. an, an annual ultrasound. Right. Right. And, right. You know, and especially if they're after age 40, a, a woman should always demand an ultrasound with her mammogram. Yeah. Right? And, I, and I, I tell some of the, you know, from one of the first three things I would buy if I was a young surgeon would be an ultrasound because you can use it for so many different things. But it really is a, it's a service we provide to our patients and they really like it, you know, because they, they come in, they have to go to a radiology center. And actually, Rod, you know, the, this is another, not a myth thing, but um, 
plastic surgeons are actually better suited to read breast implant surveillance. We're not looking at the breast tissue. We're not trying right, to right. diagnose not breast doing... cancer. Right. But plastic surgeons understand. You know, most radiologists have never even seen a breast implant. You know, exactly. That's like this mythical thing. They saw a picture. They don't know how breast implants behave in the body, how uh, it reacts pathologically. And so plastic surgeons are experts in that. So we have a little leg up in, in really assessing the breast. And so it's, it's super easy. Uh, but patients love it. They love it. They think it's great, and it's very accurate. Right, and you you teach it, right? You teach it. Yeah, at we have courses, courses, a aesthetic yeah. society course, and yep. it's uh, it's great. So, yep, just need to follow the breast implants. They do not need to be replaced every ten years. Great, great, great advice for our viewers. Okay, know before you go. Okay, Bill, the next one, the Baywatch look. Everyone needs to have the Baywatch look. Yeah, that's it, it, I think there's, and this goes back. Who knows? 30, 40, 50 years ago, that you know, there's just everybody that does the breast augmentation is just this vain person that either wants to have big, huge breasts or be right. a bait watch look. And that is so far from the truth. In fact, I mean, that is so different than every patient I see in my practice. No, people don't want anybody necessarily know they had it done, but they're doing it for real life personal reasons same here you know it has nothing to do with having big breasts you know every once in a while you have somebody in the, but those are outliers you know i have uh, they, they do it because they want to fit better in their clothes they had children they want to just restore a little bit of breast volume so they don't have to buy a different bathing suit top from the the rest of it and the the unique thing is is it's profound the effects of that procedure on people's lives and and there are different people you know, people, oh, I don't believe in that. You, they need to come in and see this. And people come in and they, I don't, you know, whether it's just this um, self-confidence that they gain, uh, it's just amazing. It's it's really phenomenal. And, right. and, and, you know, that's been supported by every quality of life study that's ever been done in breast implants. Right. No, I agree. And and I see that it's much like rhinoplasty. It, you know, it's not just a cosmetic procedure. It changes. It can be a life-changing. And, and I agree. Yeah. And also, that's the same type of patient I see. You know, they've had kids and they just want the breast yeah. to look fuller, but, but they're not kind of trying to blow it up. And also, it's not good to have large implant I mean super large implants long term right it's right. not good for your body yeah that's like uh, that's you know like I remember back in in Thursday conference in, in our training <laughs> like like small flat big problems like big implants big problems <laughs> yeah. yeah and it, it's just not you know you need to pick implants that fit the breast and and most of the people that are coming in um, you know we don't see a lot of people like this, but if they're coming in because they're going to get, they think they're going to get a better boyfriend, that's not a good reason to do a breast augmentation. <laughs> no. But that's, again, so few and far between. I agree. These people come in, they're so rational. Even, you know, you'll have even people that are fairly young, but they, they just, you know, they, actually women are the best patients because they have, most men can't verbalize things very well. Right. And women, but they say, yeah, it's just, look, I just have this, I just want to have the confidence to, buy the clothes I want to wear and feel good right. in it, and, and that's why I do it. But then they come back and they're like, you're a different person. Right. Oh, yeah. Same thing. I know. I, I agree. And that's the ideal patient. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Okay. So breast implants cause cancer. Yeah. hear that? All, no, yeah. So that, and that's actually, you know, there's, there's so much um, chatter about this now. So uh, let's break it down in a couple of ways. So they're, they're, the truth is, is that we, let's look at breast cancer. Breast cancer, one in eight women gets breast cancer. It's 
it's far more common than anything else. Now, there are a couple implant-associated malignancies, and we'll talk about those. Um, but breast cancer um, is the big one. It's like so much more common. Of course. And so in, in every study, actually, there's some recent ones that have come out. The incidence of breast cancer in women with implants is lower than the general population. And actually, it, it's, it's significantly lower. And the reason for that is not totally understood. Right. But it's been reproduced over the past 30 or 40 years. And the, you know, the real question, actually, one of my uh, fellows, Dave Sieber, and I um, have done some publications. Actually, we published in PRS on it was a, something for breast implant associated ALCL. Um, but we're looking at, you know, what really if you if you can predict what the what is the protective effect for breast cancer? Um, and breast cancer are so much more common in, in women, it's, it could be a significant protective effect when you weigh it against some of these other things. Now, um, in all fairness, too, there are some newer things that we didn't know about right. um, really 10 or 15 years ago. So you have breast implant-associated ALCL. That's lymphoma. It, um, it, it is very rare. Um, it's dependent on the type of implant. Um, the data and the real-world data really supports it. It's only been seen in textured implants, so it's never really been reported in a smooth-only implant. Right. But it really has to do with chronic inflammation, and it has to do with bacteria creating chronic inflammation over time. So the implant is really not necessarily causing the lymphoma. It's more of chronic inflammation because there's more surface area on these texture devices. And that's actually why the macro texture or more texture implants were removed from the market. Right. And, and so it, it is still a rare occurrence, but it's something we know about. You know, the good thing about it is it's not great. You, know, you don't want to have anybody get any kind of issue like that. But it is treatable if it's diagnosed, usually diagnosed with the serum around the breast or some abnormality. Um, and the treatment is actually surgical, it's just removing the capsule. Right. Um, so that's something that's new. Then the other thing, which is, it's not necessarily new, but it's come to light more is, is squamous cell uh, cancer. Right. And again, that's this, a, this case is- reports. Yeah, and, and, but it, again, extremely rare. I mean, there's, there's 50 million women with breast implants worldwide. Um, and again, this, the data would point to it. it's almost like a margillin's ulcer type thing, chronic inflammation, right. could be bacteria, could be other things, you know, margillin's ulcers were things like radiated wounds, things like that, where there's chronic inflammation over time and then that it would degenerate into a squamous cell uh, cancer. But again, those things, you know, we, we participate in an FDA collaborative community and uh, so we talk to different advocates and I think that uh, for the most part, they're, they're I think very good and very very reasonable about things, but sometimes you'll you'll meet some people that are relatively unreasonable, thinking that every breast implant patient should have their capsule taken out because it could have right. squamous cell cancer in it. And the truth is, that's just it doesn't make any sense because it's, it, the numbers don't support that at all. Right, and the science isn't there. And and you know, but getting back to breast cancer and implants, you know, that was shown by multiple studies from the New England Journal on back to the 80s that it doesn't cause that, except for those exceptions that you just mentioned. So, yeah. all right, that's number three. So, okay, and there's a, the other one is, there's so much recovery and it's painful. Yeah, the breast implant is extremely painful and you're in bed for two weeks and, and um, that, you know, if it's done certain ways, that's probably true, but things have advanced just like a lot of things in medicine. You know, we have more um, 
quicker recoveries and minimally invasive ways to do things. But with, with the kind of modern techniques that are done, patients actually can be out shopping the day of surgery. They can go right. out to dinner. They don't necessarily have to take a lot of pain medicines. You know, there's two things patients are worried about in surgery, um, pain and scarring. Right. And so, you know, the pain thing with breast augmentation uh, is is something that is really, I think, a thing of the past. Patients really can recover quickly. We, you know, we, we generally want do don't want people to do too much the first couple weeks, especially because right. they're they're still got wounds to heal and things like that. But they can get back to their daily routine, drive a car the next day. And it's just, uh, it's like a relatively fun, easy procedure for them. Right. And really, thanks to, you know, Dr. Adams and, and John Tebbets, you know, really, they've, they've transformed breast augmentation. You yeah. Know, it's yeah. really, it's, it's unbelievable. And really, that's the standard of care, I think, right now, is uh, the old way of, you know, ripping the muscle and but doing it very meticulously methodically it's yeah. just it's it's been a game changer yeah, it's, it's, all, it's unbelievable whole, yeah the whole process of breast augmentation the byproduct of that not only is the, the number one byproduct is that it optimizes outcomes for the patient you know, less complications right. better outcomes but the, the byproduct other byproduct is the recovery people yep. have much easier fast track recovery yep i know it's 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 been a game changer thanks to you and john tibbet so so okay so what about the surgeon you know there you know on social media say anybody can do a breast augmentation it's a simple procedure not yeah they, I, I think that goes back to for many many years you know people thought uh you know breast augmentation it's like the intern can just do it because it's a super simple thing. I think what we found it's like a lot more complicated than people think because there's a lot more goes into it than just putting an implant in the pocket. But even that, you know, it's a lot more complicated, I think, than originally thought. I mean, again, those are older techniques where people are using blunt blind right. dissection and dissecting big, huge pockets and thinking it was going to be fine. Um, but, you know, I mean, we talk about this all the time. You, know, you, say, you always say no before you go. but. You, you need to not only, I mean, we'd start with like, yeah, a board certified plastic surgeon by the American Board of Plastic Surgery, but it also needs to be somebody that has a high level of expertise in doing that procedure because there's some people that, you know, are doing one breast augmentation a year and they're a board certified plastic surgeon and a good person and probably a good surgeon, but that's probably not who I'd pick to do my breast augmentation. Right. It gets you in the ballpark. The American Board of Plastic gets you in the ballpark, but it doesn't just like for a rhinoplasty. It, it doesn't tell you that they're going to be a breast augmentation yeah. expert and you need to have the expertise the experience and and the ability to show exceptional results you know yeah and even more than that you know there's there's many other people out there that are doing surgery it, it seems weird to patients you know because yeah. they internists you know yeah. they go to they go fly in american airlines and they just accept and it's true there's regulated you you know you have to be a, a fully licensed pilot and gone through <laughs> thousands right. of hours of training to fly an american airlines plane but that's just not it's weird in, in medicine it's not regulated because all these antitrust things and it's actually ridiculous i think because patient safety suffers but there's people that have no surgical training that offer breast augmentation and unfortunately it's just how it is when you have things that people pay cash for you know you have these people out there that aren't trained that market themselves and they have a really nice looking website and unless you really do your homework you may not actually know they're not even a surgeon and weren't trained right and and that's rampant there's a lot there's a lot more people like that out there they're you know whether they're called cosmetic surgeon or what than than plastics or true right. fully trained plastic surgeons and so you know it's a it could be a problem you know if you have somebody doing your surgery and they have no surgical training. They're internists by training. Right. That's not going to work out very well. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's all those incredible added, you know, 
safety outcomes. You know, you need a board-certified plastic surgeon, but also somebody who really understands the process, operates in an accredited operating room, has all those safety characteristics, have an anesthesiologist or a CRNA that actually is there to do and, you know, to be safe because, you know, it's real surgery. It has real complications. So yeah. wise words from a wise surgeon on breast augmentation myths. This is a must-know. Please send us your comments and thoughts because know before you go. you got to see an expert like Dr. Bill Adams if you're going to consider any type of breast surgery. Thank you so much.